Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, April 6th. Yes, the sunshine swing is now officially in the books. And under normal circumstances, one would be reasonable in thinking that now the tour might take a break in the action. Things may slow down a little bit as we make that transition from the hard courts to the clay season, but no. What do we have on the ATP and WTA calendar this week? We have five events. So much action for tennis fans to enjoy. So many results already this week for us to discuss here on today's show. And if we plan on breaking down each and every event on the calendar this week, you know who's going to be joining me on today's podcast to help me do just that. It's been far too long since we've had this man on the show, our go-to guy for all things happening at Tennis Points, now a podcast host as well. It's my dear friend, Nate Walrith. Nate, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? It's great, my man. It's great to be back on the show. I miss seeing you. I miss talking to you. I'm, I'm just, uh, hoping to catch you in Indian Wells or Miami Open, but uh, you, you're a busy man, bro. You gotta, you gotta uh, help the people out with college tennis, junior tennis, pro tennis, and so I uh, got to see our boy Gil Gross, which was cool. But it's been a, it was a crazy uh, month of March, man. Yeah, how is that sunshine swing? Is Indian Wells all it's cracked up to be? Have you not been? You were, I've never been. been. It's still on my bucket list. I've been no to way. Cincinnati. I've been to I'm like pro tennis wise. I've been to a ton of challengers. Cincinnati, yeah. Cleveland. Have I attended in a certified ATP or WTA event outside of Ohio? I mean, Phoenix was a 175. It felt like a 250. But I think that's wow. it for my for my like in person pro experience. Oh, and the City Open, of course. But that's it. Wow. Okay. So that was my second year at Indian Wells. Uh, second year at the Miami Open. I mean, Indian Wells is, um, yeah, it's a tennis sanctuary is the best way to put it. I mean, that place was built with every aspect in mind. I think as a, as a fan, like you want to have vantage points, um, whether it's during on the, on the, on the stadium courts, on center court, you want to have places that it feels like intimate. Not only did they succeed having it as an intimate setting in their stadium courts and in their main, uh, what they call it, court one or whatever it's called, um, their practice court setting, like for guys like you and I who just would watch practice court matches and practice courts all day. I mean, you're always above the action. You're always looking down. You have, you can see, I mean, 16 practice courts or whatever it is. I mean, when, from any place you're standing and you get the, like the green field where all like the kind of turf where all the players stretch and work out. I mean, it feels like in some aspects, it feels kind of weird. It feels like you're at like a petting zoo and you're like watching these <laughs> players like from above them, like looking down on them. And they're like, just like trying to have their own privacy with their camps and stuff. But uh, dude, that place is, it's just like the best way to, to describe it is just like prestige. I mean, you got mountains, palm trees, beautiful tennis courts, um, very like, it's a pretty quiet place. I mean, obviously your, your, your fans there are probably a little older, older than your average tournament, but I mean, that place is electric. You, you once you, once you get there, um, you'll, yeah, I, yeah. I expect to hear your thoughts and they'll be very, very positive. I'm sure. Well, bang for your buck. You can only attend one of the sunshine swing events, Indian Wells or Miami. What are you picking? It sounds like Indian Wells. I mean, it depends who we're talking to. If, if, if there's a young listener trying to get after it for a weekend or a four, three or four day weekend, have some fun, bring some energy and uh, kind of whatever kind of tennis is maybe not your like folk, your main focal point. Miami Open, 100 percent. Like that's a, that's an ongoing party for two weeks. I mean, just there's music. I mean, it just feels like you're at a place and then there happens to be tennis being played. That's the best players in the world, you know, but Indian Wells, you go you walk in the gates and you're just like. Oh wow! This is where the best tennis players in the world are hanging out right now. This is like a—it's a sanctuary. It's like—it's yeah. the place that me that you we would dream of having a, a session for an hour with with mountains in the background and yeah, it's very off on its own. It's cool. You'll love it. 
Yeah, well, it was awesome to see all the content you guys at Tennis Point produced throughout the course of the Sunshine Swing, and obviously you guys supporting partners of those events. Obviously, we appreciate the support we get from you all here each and every day. And for you listeners that don't know, you can turn to tennis-point.com today for all of the latest and greatest equipment in the tennis world, of course, being offered at the cheapest prices as well. With that in mind, Nate, we're making that transition, hard courts to clay, winter to spring. I know there's new gear available. Tell me what's going on at Tennis Point. The whole difference, it's a whole different sport on the clay courts. But <laughs> three items I would touch on will be, first off, Roland Garros edition, Wilson Clashes. Got the rackets, got the matching bags. Always a slick uh, collector's item or just a, like, I mean, it's just a cool bet. The, the matching bag with like the brown and blue. Anyway, the Vapor 9.5s, guys. Roger Federer's old shoe is back. Had a, I mean, the amount of hype behind these shoes right now in the re-release has been ridiculous. I mean, not something you see with tennis shoes very often, uh, where the the viewership on just a product uh, video is that doing that well organically. And then the last one, I will have to shout out the uh, Pure Aero Rafa collection that's coming out here this upcoming week. Rafa's new racket, the origin, his specs, his mm. whole setup, his weight, and then the matching bag. It's Probably the best bag that I've seen. It's got it's a it's a self standing bag, so you don't have to worry about you know leaning your bag up on the fence and getting it scratched up. It's got the pegs like a suitcase, which is super cool. Hundred percent insulated, hundred percent waterproof. Um, but yeah, that bag is super cool and matches the racket. The pink racket, man, it's a big statement. Talk to me about the weight of that racket. Now that you get the official Rafa, how's it felt? Heavy, heavy. Especially really, the fourth grip that they. Heavy, man. I, I'm a pure aero guy myself, so I mean, this is like yeah. I'm used to getting the top of like my, my head over the racket quickly like you know i'm used to whipping it and with that like they gave us a fourth grip to to uh sample which is not my preferred grip size so especially when you have, when i have a smaller grip and i have it feels like there's a heavy log on the end of my stick it was just a i mean you just forget how heavy the rackets are that the pros use where they're at 330 grams pretty i mean probably average weight is like 330 across the board and i'm, I'm using a 10.6 i mean <laughs> Pure arrow, which is yeah, eleven point two ounces strong, which is just a different ball game. I mean, anything, when you go over twelve ounces, I mean, it just feels a lot different. When especially like the back end is better because for a two hander, it's more stable. Like for me, like to get through the ball, I feel like I have more plush plow through, I guess. But the forehand is like, I mean, when I went to like I was I have a Western grip, so I'm trying to topple the ball. I feel like. I mean, you really got to work that forearm, man. I was gonna be, I'm gonna be looking like Roger Federer with the massive right forearm <laughs> and the skinny left. But it's, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it is fascinating to bring that up. It just gives you perspective into how athletic these guys are. And you're like, well, what's an ounce here or a gram there? But trust me, it adds up with each and every swing. And you use even a slightly heavier racket, you will feel it in your arm. And it just goes to, again, these guys are athletes out there. And certainly if you watched any of the Sunshine Swing or any of this first week of clay court play, you see that physicality on display right now across both the ATP and WTA tours. And again, you can find all of those products available, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. The entire French Open catalog. I mean, you're going to look good. You're going to feel good. You're going to play good when you're outfitted correctly, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. We've seen a lot of those fits already out on display with that transition again from the hard courts to the clay courts, and we've got five of them on the board this week to monitor. Of course, you've got two WTA events, the action happening in Charleston. And let's be honest. Yes, it helps that Charleston is like what I think Jessica Pagula said, an eight-hour drive from Miami. It's a very quick flight, I'm sure, as well. But it's an absolutely stacked draw in Charleston. And that's where I want to start today's show. Because, of course, again, we're coming off of a sunshine swing, right? That sees just about every top player, every top 50 player, certainly in the world, competing uh, throughout the course of both events. And, you know, you look at Charleston this week, they've got eight top 20 players in the draw, Nate. They've got four of the, uh, three of the world's top 10, four of the top 11 in uh, Pegula, Jabur, Kasekina, and Bencic. Of course, again, you want to go further down in terms of the depth we see in this draw. I mentioned the eight top 20 players. You look overall in terms of top 50 players. I mean, you're in the uh, double digits. You've got 17 top 50 players of the, in the live rankings right now in the draw this week. Of course, most of the top seeds uh, still alive. The one top seed knocked out is where we can start. 
Where are you on the Diana Schneider bandwagon? Because I'm caught in the college tennis bubble, and obviously the lefty had a massive Australian Open, right, where she not only comes through qualifying, Mm -hmm. but maybe should have beaten Maria Sakkari in that second round match. Now we saw her, she loses first round qualifying Indian Wells in Miami gets into the main draw here in Charleston straight set win over Alicia Parks round one. Now a four and three win over, you know, again, a player who was at the world tour finals last season, currently 13th in the live rankings in Veronica Kudermatova. And, you know, you look for Schneider now she's 54 and 19 overall in her last 52 weeks of play. Here's the big stat people might not be aware of. Over her last 52 weeks, yes, you saw her weapons. You figure, oh, she's probably played a lot of hardcourt tennis, right? Wrong. She's 38 and 9 on clay courts over the course of her last 52 weeks. Now, she got knocked out today by Bedosa 1 and 3. But where are you with the lefty, Nate? I mean, the fact that she could be playing in a collegiate tennis match against the Tar Heels today against that loaded targets team is ridiculous. Obviously, that would be a must-watch TV as you guys are broadcasting that. But she is a top 100. I mean, when I when I found out that she was coming back to college and it was like broke news that she was a top 100 player, I think maybe the first ever, one of the first ever to come to school and with that type of ranking, uh, definitely I was like, I mean, I'm going to be watching her a lot more. And obviously, you talked about the Sakari match. I mean, she has the games, has the weapons, has the athleticism, has the tenacity and like the intensity point in and point out to obviously be one of these top players. Um, just, I mean, an incredible performance. Take out Kudermatova, who has a lot of firepower, has the athleticism and footwork to cover court. Uh, that's a player you actually you have to kind of go out and beat. I mean, Kudermatova is just a feisty player. Um, and, I mean, can spray a little bit, but, I mean, she, she's playing amazing. I mean, Bedosa, obviously, tough matchup, just the, more of a veteran in that situation. And, um, yeah, I think Bedosa is just obviously on the top player. So no, no, nothing to take away there other than great event. I think uh, Schneider is going to be – I don't know. I mean, her ceiling is maybe higher than I even anticipated coming into this season. Yeah. It's fascinating because she's been fine in college play. Like, Mm -hmm. she hasn't been – she's been good, not just fine. She's been good. She's 9-2 overall at the top spot. Now, she does have two losses, both those losses to two of the 15 best players in the country in Georgia Tech's Carol Lee, Miami's Alexa Newell. But, like, it's not like she's blitzing people 0-0 in college. And it's not like she's dominating them the way you would expect, hypothetically, a top 100 player would walk in and do. Although I would point out the fact that both Ben Shelton and now Peyton Stearns, who we'll talk about in a second, seem to be on the precipice of both being inside the top 100. NCAAs was less than a year ago. This speaks to the quality right now of college tennis that, again, you're seeing, if not top 100-level stuff, certainly top 300-level the thing with I Schneider, think that's the point. Yeah, go ahead. That's the, I think that that's that's the takeaway for me is just like more of like a knock on her not being able to dominate the college level. It's more of a, a exactly. shout out to the level that that we see at the college, the collegiate level. I mean, and you obviously get that I don't know five percent boost when you got the odd like just the energy around you with like your like the team aspect of it, which also I mean puts a little more pressure on your opponent and gives you a little more adrenaline to kind of work through things. And I think that all that stuff matters. And I think college tennis is just different. Um, it's what Sheldon and these guys are used to. And so they, it's hard for them to face adversity like they see in college tennis on the pro circuit. It's just, there's not those hostile environments. Um, I think college tennis is just different conditions, different setting, different feeling when you go out there to compete. And the tour is you're just by yourself. There is no teammates. There is no cheers. There is no hype before the match with like all your best friends or whatever. And there's not a fan base that's kind of, I mean, until you get to the very top, but it's like, yeah, I think that's more of just like shows you how elite college tennis is right now. It's so damn good. I mean, especially the conference that she plays on with ACC is, I mean, I think like North Carolina, like this, these are all players that could make money playing the sport, playing the sport after their career is over. Yeah. And I also think a lot of it has to do with her game style and it's, uh-huh. relationship to no ad scoring, because the thing when you watch Schneider, Oh my God, does she hit the cover off of the ball? And it's just like, I think right now she's at the point of her career where she's going to win five out of nine points. She's not at the two out of three, three out of four, you know, four out of six range yet. She's more five out of nine where you're going to get two errors at least every nine points that she's just going to give to your opponent. And again, no ad scoring. You don't have a deuce and then an ad and then a deuce and then an ad to sort of make up for things. And so 
the margins are a little bit thinner. That said, I mean, again, on these clay courts, she's clearly gotten a little stronger in her legs. I mean, she moves really fluidly around the clay. And when that ball sits up high for her to strike through, I mean, her ball just can then explode through yeah. the court. She had Kudermatova and Parks, two front foot aggressive players pushed on their back feet. And again, you look for Schneider, 19 years old, uh, here to start this month. She's now sitting at a new career high, number 87 in the live rankings, uh, despite the loss today. Like again, has a, plenty of points to defend over the next 52 weeks, but has to be feeling pretty good about her level now. And this will be a nice little confidence boost for her. It's a shame we're not going to get to see her today in the matchup against North Carolina. But guess what? She's going to face Chloe Beck and Duke on Saturday. Like, that's an outstanding match as well. One we'll have for you on ESPN, ACC Network Plus, part of our cross court cast. Like, just. Get her a private jet. Get well, her a private yeah. jet. Get her right to the court. The Navarros have one. Um, and I'll tell you what, it'll help yeah. Ben Navarro's daughter, who's a member of the Virginia team, not Emma. Emma's younger sister, still a member of the squad. Like, she'd be like, yeah, Dad, we'd like NC State to beat North Carolina. It helps all of us. So if you don't mind loaning it out. But no, and the other thing is, like, I love that everyone addresses her as NC State star Diana Schneider because A, and I say this lovingly, this is not meant to be rude to her. This is meant to be a benefit, uh, a reflection of the other. She's not the star right now in college tennis. Like Fiona Crawley's a star in college tennis. Savannah Brodus is a star in college tennis. Diana Schneider's really good, but she hasn't done enough to have star bonafide, you know, not a bonafide star yet in uh, credentials in college tennis resume wise. That said, that everyone's like, oh, she plays college tennis. Maybe I should be checking out college tennis. It's a great thing for the sport. I like, I love it. That's been bothering you. I, I love that. That's been bothering you. And you had that side noted ready, ready to launch on that. Oh, I said that text to John Parsons like four days ago, or as soon as Charleston started. I was like, we agree this is kind of unfair to the truth. Like, again, Fiona Crawley and Savannah Brodus are the ones who should be like, no, we're the stars. Like, She's really good, and it's great to bring the limelight, etc. Again, I'm not, like, knocking it. I'm just saying there are other superstars in college tennis right now who, if you think Diana Schneider's a star, you should go check them out. And, again, we've got a lot of college tennis available. That said, Diana Schneider, tangent aside, obviously she's been knocked out. And, look, Jessica Pagula was dominant in her first-round victory. Own Jabur played her best match of the tournament. And, uh, of the season, excuse me, and her best match we've seen her play in a, ro- a while in her straight set win over Serenko in round number one. Right now, according to Tennis Abstract, Jabur, a 30.2% favorite. The next three, Belinda Bencic, defending champion, 15.3%. Paula Badosa, who looked exceptional. I'm telling you, she's just fit again. She's playing better tennis. Really good win from 4-1 down in the first over Fernandez. Uh, She's got a 14.9, then Pagula's 11.1. Nate, storylines, players to watch. What you got for me? Yeah, Bedosa, like you just said, kind of got her swagger back, kind of got her mojo back. I mean, yelling the loud commands. And, uh, I mean, yeah, she tracked down a couple drop shots yesterday against Fernandez, hit some nice passing shots, just had some long extended rallies that she came out on top on, and it was good for her to kind of give that, like, look of intensity to her box. And I think that I hadn't seen that for a while. You know, I, I feel like she kind of was losing some confidence there uh, on the last four or five months and uh, good to see Bedosa get, get that kind of swagger back on the clay. She just looked like you said, more fit, stronger, really pushing off, uh, off kind of either, either end really, really smooth and uh, looks, looks kind of back to being fluid. And um, yeah, I think Bedosa is just, I mean, one of the faces of the tour, always better to have her in the top of her game. Pagula just continues to stay steady. I mean, I just think, it's, it's easy for her to kind of lay under the radar, even as a top seed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, she's she's super fun to watch. I mean, once that I was in, intrigued by with uh, Pagula was that she wins a higher percentage of return points, I heard, on 90-mile-an-hour serves or higher versus uh, 89 miles an hour or lower, which was just a shocking stat to me. So it just goes to show you, I mean, kind of the, how clean of a ball striker she is. Uh, Pagula's just been on a tear. And yeah, well – just on that Pagula is, note real quick, she's second yeah. in break percentage on the WTA Tour right now. She's breaking server ridiculous 47% of the time here in 2023. And, and this isn't a fluke. That's why She was there in 2021. She was top 15 in 2022. Like, you're right. The amount of pressure she puts on 
at you as a server with her return. It's just the depth. It's a line drive at your feet every time. You're never going to have an easy opportunity. And if you do have an easy opportunity, it's because you hit a perfect first serve against Pagula, which like five players on tour have. Like Rabakina, Sabalenka, Kvitova on the right day. Yeah, like again – Pagula has played with such aggression. It has been so impressive. I had like she is legitimately top five good, and I know she's been in the top five for a while now. But her, there is a difference in her level this year. Like she just looks a little more aggressive. I think, and also until recently, she had the Casper Root effect, where like even though the ranking kind of uh, would kind of reflect that sure. they deserve more attention and more love from fans, they just don't get that and. I think Pagula's uh, pressers will start to change that as she gives these just she just gives such fun answers. She's just, just a really normal person. Yeah, she's just like exactly. great. Like she's funny. She's candid. She's yeah. personable. Like it, it's just everything. Obviously intelligent. Like yeah, she's just great. Heineken really, really uh, screwed the pooch on not giving her that deal. That uh, who was it? Stella or Artois or somebody stepped in and gave her a deal. I was like, when she brought that to the press conference at the U.S. Open, I was like. That's got to be an automatic in the mailbox. Here's three year deal, whatever. I'm like, but no, Pagula is, I mean, for me, I love listening to her talk and how she talked about the, the trash talk with, with fans. I'm interested to hear what did you think about the trash talk that she's, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen. We're in a 1v1 sport as it would in a team component, but it's like, if we let that stuff kind of go, is that is that better for tennis? It'd be great in theory. It's never going to happen. Like, players get mad when people are moving in the crowd, players get mad when, someone is slighted in a press conference like there would just have to be it's not a fan issue I'm sorry it's a player issue like respectfully because it is one-on-one and if you're talking smack I'm talking directly to you like I am playing you if I say out loud this guy sucks which happens a lot at the juniors happens in college like it's certainly smack talk can exist within tennis at the pro level though. It's like, or, Hey, what do you think about your match day? If you're like, well, I didn't think my opponent hits his forehand well at all. And so like, I knew I could pick on that. Well, your opponent knows, wait, I was his opponent today. Like he's talking about me. And here's the thing. Like, yeah, we'd love it as fans. We'd blow it up. It would make the sport more engaging and certainly would add more appeal that is lacking because we don't have things like trade rumors and free agency, et cetera. But like, it'll never happen because all these players see each other in the locker room. It's just like, there's no chance. But does the claim that she does it? I, I thought that was interesting. She claims that she's talking all the time, but no, I think, I think that's true. Just because the intimacy of the locker room and how close you are just you're always next to each other when you're walking through security or walking in the locker room or whatever it is. So for that point, for that reason, I think, yeah. It's the same reason they will mic up the coaches. If the coaches like attack her forehand or all these things, they're like, no, I don't want to hear people to hear me saying that about my, the opponent's game. I want them to think I respect like all, it's like that, like, no, just like talk like normal people talk and it'll just, it'll never happen. Yeah. I agree. For that reason, because I, I that's literally the one thing that I miss from these events. It's a Masters 1000 or a slam. I, I almost remember the Labor Cup moments or Davis Cup moments more because you get that just like unfiltered dialogue that like we needed. Like for sports fans, like we crave that stuff. Like that's why we follow sports is like to see like the, the candidness and stuff. I don't Anyway. Yeah, no, the competition. Absolutely. I agree with you. But I'm, I'm just saying it's never going to happen. Um, what will happen, again, really th- fun th- things lining up here in Charleston. And again, there have been a lot of good matches throughout the week. Shout out to Anna Kalinskaya, who's come close in a lot of matches this year. She's like 12 and 9. But yeah, six of her losses are to top 30 players. Um, she gets a really good win today, in particular, Kalinskaya, uh, I believe, knocking off, who'd she knock off? Azarenka, four and six, uh, to reach the yeah. quarterfinals. You've had, uh, again, that's really your first big She's upset. really good. Yeah, of this round of 16, just about everyone's still alive, though, right? Like Magda Lynette got a really good three set win over the rising. Vavara Gracheva, Madison Keys has gotten a couple of good wins as well. Sonia Kennan has played much better tennis, although she, uh, of course, knocked out by Begu one in four yesterday. And so, again, all the seeds are remaining. 
Benchich is the defending champion. She's got the big hitting Shelby Rogers, who got impressive victories over McNally and Danielle Collins in her first two matches. And shout out to Shelby Rogers, recently engaged, of course, as well. Who you got? Look at this draw. It's loaded. Who you got, Nate? It is loaded. Um, Even Casakino back on clay. She's like, thank God. (laughs) I was going to take Kalinskaya. I watched her play at Indian Wells, just, just dominated Alicia Parks. But then I saw how well Anders Jabeur was hitting, and I just just that variety and that always going to they're never going to be in rhythm against Anders Jabeur, and yeah. I think that will be a tricky matchup. So I'll take out of the bottom. I mean, I'll take Ons just because I think she's her craft, just her craftiness, and she looks like she's moving pretty well again. So I'll take Anders Jabeur from the bottom, and then give me against I think Bedosa. It's Bedosa's week though. I think Bedosa takes out Anders Jabeur in the final. Yeah. I think the ball is moving through these courts well. And I, I just think on the green clay, it skids a little more. It gets a little faster. It's a little less gritty. Boy, Pagula's ball on this surface looked explosive in her first round win against yeah. Blinkova. But Pedosa was moving. so Like, that's a really good pick because her ball I was moving well Pagula. in this too. Exactly. And Pagula's a, be- and a better mover than Pagula. So it's, I think there's the advantage. On the opinion. clay, I agree. I don't know. They're pretty right. like Pagula's pretty good mover. She's moved forward so well. Of like she's just become such yeah. a good volleyer. And obviously, her and Goff just won Miami, so it goes yeah. without saying in doubles. Benchich is your defending champ. Her ball on this surface, I yay. Boy, that quarter final, uh, that quarterfinal between Pagula and Bedosa. I feel like the winner of the tournament is coming out of that match. And yet, at the same time. Again, there was just something about the way Jabur was moving to her corners. There was a joy in her face. Mm-hmm. You could see the creativity, the slices, the forehand redirects. Everything just looked back in rhythm. I believe she's beating, if she hasn't already beaten, Caroline Dalahide here today. Best six skills on the tour. Yeah, I mean, and Sky, her- she'll have time to get into her weapons. A key Jabur matchup, just given where Jabur is physically, that would be a tough one for her. Yep. I'll go Jabur to get to the finals, and I just think that top half is a little bit tougher. So I'll say Jabur gets the title comeback victory here in Charleston. And now, top again, half. she's got yeah, so top. many points to defend in clay. I'm going with the way the draw is forming. I'll go Jabur over – I'll take Pagula if you're taking Bedosa in the final. I love it. No, Jabur walks – she can work around the ball, under the yeah. ball. Over the ball. I mean, it's yeah, fun to watch. I like very, it. No, very fun to watch indeed. Well, with that said, let's move over to the men's side of things now because, again, we've got three events. And we're going to go through these three men's ones a little bit quicker. Let's start on our home soil here in Houston. A lot of fun names in the draw here if you're an American men's tennis fan. And what's so crazy to see is just how many Americans are seated at this event, right? Like Tiafo's the one, Paul's the two. Oh, my God. God, was Marcos Giron good for the first hour. Was up, what, 6.050 on Emilio Gomez in round number one. Uh, J.J. Wolf blitzed Jordan Thompson in the pace of his ball, the heaviness of his serve, his forehand on clay. Can you imagine having to dig out of a corner after tracking down a J.J. Wolf forehand on clay? I'm actually bullish on his upside on the surface moving forward. Uh, again, those are your American that, seats. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. You've got guys like Echeverry, uh, Kubler <laughs> seated as well. Unfortunately, you had someone pull out of the event. I forget who the number three seed was, but I know he pulled out with injury. Talk to me about this what, this Houston draw, Nate. Well, obviously, I apologize for cutting you off there. What were you going to say? No, I've hit with the wolf forehand on a fast yeah. hard court. I don't need to try it out on a clay court. I think I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm good on that. You, like that he went from like hitting a 50% ball to 60%. Once he bumped up to like his 70% ball, it's just like, there's just no way. Well, there's not enough time to do anything, to, to recover. And it's, I don't understand. You know, JJ Wolf's game as well as anyone, uh, you know, looking for Wolf obviously has had a massive hard court run over his last 52 weeks, looking for JJ in his career on the clay courts, JJ nine and five overall in his career. He's made a couple of quarterfinals at the challenger level, all of them coming last year, Sarasota, Tallahassee, Savannah. Now, I think he's only played three matches in his career on red clay. Houston last year where he lost in the round of 16, Roland Garros Qualies 2020, and then Houston this year. He now elevates his backhand 
just a little bit higher over the net, in my opinion, to get a little bit better net clearance, but also a little bit better depth on that ball. I'm unsure how he'll look as a mover, but I do like the low center of gravity. I do like how strong he is in his legs. The changing of directions will be interesting. I'm bullish on JJ as a clay court player. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I mean, I would have said that you were crazy maybe before seeing him play the last match just because of his movement. I mean, I thought he answered the questions about his shot tolerance on the hard courts where he's definitely up to his ability to kind of just neutralize the ball instead of uh, always having to be dictating. I mean, he's okay playing defense for a shot or two, um, which that was not really in his DNA before. So I think the shot tolerance question, which has to be taken into consideration going to clay courts, was was one of the bigger questions, which he's answered. The movement is where I was questioning whether he would be a comfortable mover out of the corners and coming forward is that's he's tried to install that part of his game or install that into part of his game on hard courts. Uh, that was where I was kind of questioning his ability to adapt to the clay courts, but he did seem to be moving as he's gotten healthier and stronger. He's definitely been more, uh, more confident mover, trusting uh, kind of throwing his weight and slotting being the athlete that he was. But um, yeah, I think JJ can be a, a, a clay court player. I don't think he's ever going to be like a, He's always going to be, I think he'll always be predominantly a hardcore player as far as being a top 40 or top 50 player. But yeah, I think he's, now that he's going to start playing these red clay events, I'm just excited to see what he can do. Uh, it's not something that he's done very often in his career, as you just kind of referenced. But um, yeah, Kuda's a tr- a, a, an interesting matchup. Kuda's going to ask the question. And I think we're going to see what Wolf can do. And um, I, I like the matchup. I mean, I, I do like the matchup against Kuda. It's just, he's got to see what, um, it's, it's going to test his movement, though. They're going to have some longer exchanges. I'm looking forward to that matchup. I think JJ could be a top. Yeah, I don't think I, you like to drop those stats with like the, what do they do on each uh, service, and those always uh, interested me. I'll be. Inter- I, I don't know if JJ would ever be a top forty or thirty clay court player, but if he can hang around where his current ranking is on the clay court events, I mean that's all you can ask for. I feel like See, I think he could be. It's the heaviness of the ball he hits. It's not just line drive. It's so much topspin, and it's just like it's going to rip through clay courts. He's got the biggest weapons against Kudla. Like, it's a physical but question. But serve, he just hits either yeah, but that or slice. slice not- that slice serve on, on clay, like how far that's going to get away for you. I think he's got a pretty solid kick wide on the ad. He just doesn't use it very often. He's he's not he's been I, I feel like he should be using that kick like Carlos does more of a weapon on the first serve just to get guys out of rhythm sometimes. Um Well that's least, what I'm I mean, saying. What if maybe, he does maybe, that? What if he starts yeah. to do like if I feel that, like I oh, see if, the pattern. If JJ if, if he kind of accepts that part of it as being an a, an offensive part of his game, adding the kick serve plus plus one behind that ball, where you know you're not gonna get the ace, but you're gonna get that meaty short ball. Then I, re- I really like his chances to, I mean, do damage on the clay. I just haven't seen uh, on the serve, it's not going to the kick serve enough. And then the return, I think he's going to have to be more comfortable playing a f- few more continental returns like we see Andy Murray sure. do so well and just blocking the ball back. That's not another part of his game that he's always kind of been someone that plays over the top of uh, backhands and forehands in the return. I think you have to find a way to dig out some points on clay courts. Can I give you the counter, though? He's got more time as a returner. What if he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go 12 feet behind the baseline and just guarantee I get a clean rip because on this surface, I think I can. Like, I'm just – I'm yeah. fascinated. I no, really am. I like it. I love it. I love it. If, if I think his fitness is at that point where he can actually drop I'm back saying. and rely on his – yeah, he can rely on the athleticism that he's kind of put, put in his game as he's him. put a ton of work in. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to be the key for him is if he can keep it in front of him. And I'll be interested – I mean, that's just an interesting guy to kind of – uh, dissect as he goes to the clay courts for the, really the first time of his career in more of like a full-time exactly. uh, situation. Yeah, no, it, it, he's a guy to watch over the next three months. Just what does he do uh, during this stretch of the calendar? But three unseated players to watch. Thomas Mychak, really good win over Jack Sock in round one. I think that in Giron round two is a really fun one. Yannick Hanfman, good win over Watanuki in round one. He can absolutely knock out Tommy Paul in round number two. But the most dangerous unseated player, without question, Christian Green. Green, who qualifies in both Miami and Indian Wells, wins a couple of matches at each. He's now 16-8 and eight overall on the year. Look, I mean, he has a track record of success, not just on clay courts, but in Houston as well. Won the title here back in 2019. I mean, again, like Tiafo's your favorite, 24.7%, Isner 22.5%, Tommy 14%, then Green 13.1%. It's a pretty open draw, Nate. 
Finals champion. Who you got? You don't you don't, you don't feel good about Tiafo as the favorite in this event, do you? I don't know. I feel like Tiafo could be a monster on clay courts at this point of his career with how the serve and the forehand have progressed, where he's at physically, the creativity like it's the it's the focus now. He is just he's so much better point in point out than he was early in his career. And that intensity and physicality on this surface, like, that's another guy I think is going to have a monster clay court season. Really? Yeah, I agree. I mean, between him and Tiafo and Wolf, those are, like, two guys that I've, like, circled as, like, I can't wait to see what those guys do at this point in their careers on clay courts. Um, I didn't – I saw Tiafo was a favorite. I didn't know if I was in on that. You're trying to make me a believer, though. Um, No, this tournament's always – I mean, I love this tournament. Just have as as many Americans that are in this draw – uh, you got clay court specialists like Hoffman, the guy who's won like 55% of his clay court matches during his career. I do think he takes out Tommy Paul, a guy who uh, you just put in your top five for the year so far, which I agreed with. Um, Tommy's had an outstanding year, but just his first match on the clay courts, Hoffman's the guy that's super comfortable on this stuff. Um, it's gonna be a good I think match. that's going to be a gonna be a fun match. It, it's going to go three sets, I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, Tommy's still the slight favorite, but I'll yeah, take Hoffman I think Hoffman Tommy gets one. him, um, but I think it goes three. Tommy's just been like he's just been so dialed in from a like a mentality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Even when he gets broken, you don't see the frustration anymore in Miami. I hardly ever saw him look at his box. Um, I mean, hardly ever against uh, it was a uh, big lefty Husler. He's playing uh, Husler there who has weapons and dropped the first set. And you never saw Tommy like show any signs of frustration really, which was just his maturity and just his development has been fun to watch. And he's I think he really has been a top five player. That'll be a fun matchup. Um, but yeah, this match, I mean, this determined, I mean, you got uh, Wolf as well, who I think, I think to see if, if you were right about Wolf and he gets through, Wolf and Tiafo on, on, uh, in Houston would be electric. Those fans would be, mm-hmm. that would, that would be a fun matchup. So give me, I'll just, for, for the sakes of having fun, give me Tiafo versus Wolf in the uh, quarters. And then uh, semis, out of the semis. bottom, give, or, or is that semis? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Semis. Give me, uh, I'm going to take the upset. Actually, give me Garen versus Tiafo. Okay. Garen versus Tiafo. Give me Garen. Garen takes the title. I like it. That's a nice pick. I'll go Tommy. I feel Tiafo. pretty good about it. Yeah, no. Garen looked damn good. He he really did. I'm, I'm going Tommy Tiafo just because I'm again. That's a, that would be the most fun final in Houston. But I'm really yep, not sure. Like sure. it's it's first of a clay court event of the year. Again, it's one you shouldn't gamble on. Like this is where wait for people <laughs> to find their footing. Let's see how everyone plays. Even unseated Daniel Galan on that top quarter of the draw for Tiafa. Like that is a dangerous, dangerous matchup. Yeah, I'll play to the fans. I'll go top two seeds. I'll go Tommy versus Tiafa. I'll take. I'm rooting for Tommy. I just think that's a tough one. I'll take. I'm taking Tommy. Screw it. Um, I'll take you Tommy. You went all the way against me. You went. I, I took Tommy on round one. Just yeah, just Tommy to really double down against it. That way, one of Ooh. us hopefully is really right throughout the course of the week. But again, you made a really good argument for why that might not be the case. Let's stick on the men's side for our next event. Let's move over to Esterol. This is the by far most loaded draw on the ATP Tour this week, and we've already reached the quarterfinal stage. Of course, we had rainouts in Marrakesh and Houston slowing things down. You look at Esterol. Boy, is it fun. Casper Ruud, Roland Garros finalist last year, taking on Sebi Baez, defending Esterol champ. In my opinion, clearly one of the 20 best clay court players in the world, and it doesn't matter how much he struggled on the hard courts over the past year because guess what? He already won a title in Cordoba, quarterfinals in Rio, semifinals in Santiago, wins over Elbot and Kachin to get back to the quarterfinals here against uh, Ruud. I mean, again... It's a really fun match. It's going to be a really good one. Baez's forehand on clay is just a missile. It's a delight to watch, of course. You've also had Dominic Team, who's gotten a couple of wins. Good one over Seb Ofner in round one. Then he gives Ben Shelton a, a pretty pretty good handling of the business today. Uh, straight set win for Team in that. Although Shelton, for what it's worth, first career red, court, uh, red clay clay court match gets a victory in round number one. And again, it's all free points for Shelton at this point, so he'll happily take it. I mean, again, Rude Baez, 
Team plays the winner of RBA, Halise. You've got Davidovich Fokina still alive. He'll take on Chechinato. And then Miramir Kasmenovich gets a much-needed quarterfinals in singles. He'll take on the winner of the always tough Zapata Morales or Hoopy Hercot, who's making his clay court debut here in Estoril. It's a really Her good draw. Up. It's a really good draw, especially in the context of the guys who are still alive are all, you know, Davidovich Fokina, Monte Carlo finalist last year, Rude Roland Garros finalist, Baez, Esterol champion. Like, everyone's good. Who you got coming out in this one? What are you watching for? The two seed just got dropped about two minutes ago. Zapata Morales knocked Her him gosh, out. Six, two in the third. Wow. That, Zapata Morales is a those. baller, though. He is. He's a feisty guy. You don't want to. You don't want to see that guy. He just fights for everything. He's gritty. Um, he two semifinals yeah. in the South American stretch. Baez and Casper. That's. I mean, I'll take Baez on that one. I just think Casper. Casper really looks like he's going through it a little bit on the court. He does not look like he's having fun out there. Um, just the last. I don't know. Since Indian Wells, really, I haven't. He he lost his comp, his mojo a little bit. Lost his confidence. I haven't seen him. Kind of. He doesn't like. It looks like a job out there right now, and I don't think that's the best way. Um, I just think it's hard to go about. Yeah. As a guy like him, I think it's just like, it looks like he's kind of mentally in his, in his own head a little bit. Baez is obviously just on his, on a clay court. I mean, they're both, I would say more predominant clay courts, but Baez has been a dominant clay court player the last couple of years. Um, I'm happy for the team, man. I was, I mean, as much as I hate to see an American guy like Shell, but like dominant team coming back and being a relevant player on the ATP tour is, is a good story. And I um, test wise, God has team looked better this week. Just the fluidity in the corners, how comfortably he's hitting the forehand. Everything just looks in rhythm for Dominic Team, and it has not here in twenty twenty three. And you're right, first quarterfinal of the year for him here this week. And then a, a big uh, a big event for Kachinato, who I, I feel like was we all forgot that he took out Novak Djokovic in the twenty eighteen uh, French Open, and I think I expected him to be a guy that would contend for titles on the clay courts uh, at least. Uh, he kind of went away for a while, but I mean, he's still hanging around the top 100. Uh, but he's had a big week. I mean, knocked out Diego Schwartzman, who's obviously had a ton of success on clay, then kn- knocks out Fognini in three sets. Do you see the two footballs from Fognini to end the match? I was I was watching that live. I couldn't believe what I just saw. I thought it was, was unbe- going to lose. I've never seen anything like that. The in call, a pro each match. call was just yeah. Oh, I haven't. I never. I've never seen that in my life, especially on match point and. It was an aggressive football call, like both of them. And like, it just back, I don't know. How do you do that though? Like if, if you get, if one gets called, like, how do you let, I don't know. That was, that was bizarre. I, that was not a fun finish to so a fun match. They des- it deserves a better finish, but Falkina Kachinato can't wait for that matchup. Um, I think Kachmanovic and Falkina end up playing each other. Give me Falkina on that one. I just think that, that, I love Falkina's athleticism on this on the clay courts and just his ability to uh, transition from defense to offense. We saw him do it in Monte Carlo last year, where he ended up. Did he win or he lost the city finals? Balls? Yeah, finals. Did he, did he yeah. So give me Falkina out of the bottom. Give me Baez from the top. I would love to see those thirty ball exchanges in the final. Tell you what, if Davidovich Shokin is going to make a top 20 debut, it's coming this clay court season. Yes, he's got the Monte Carlo final to defend, but wasn't that great afterwards? And I think we all agree, the 23-year-old, when he's fit, when he's focused, he is absolutely one of the 20 best players in the world on clay courts. Draws open what's up his, for him. What's his, like, where does Falkina need to improve in your eyes to, to be a, a steady? Is it? It's putting the pieces yeah. together. It's that he doesn't – he can do A, B, C, and D, but he doesn't know what he wants to do. And he doesn't know what should be his A yet and should be his B and being assertive instead of just relying on your athleticism because he has real weapons. It's, again, just putting all the pieces together, which at 23 years old, for him to be top 30 and for there to still clearly be so many things to polish, it's a testament to your point, all the things he can do. Man, on this surface, I agree. I think he's going to have a huge clay court season. I think he makes the final. <sighs> Man, Casper didn't look great against Sosa, but he looked better. But Baez is just a nightmare on this Stay surface. Away. Stay so away. Stay away I'll take Davidovich. Right I'll take Davidovich Fokina versus Dominic Team. Why not? Let's have some fun. Whoa. Um, and right. I'll go. I'll go Foki for the title. Let's get Davidovich Fokina, who, wow. by the way, in his career. I don't think he's won a title yet. He's probably one of the best players in the world without a title. Yeah, just one ATP tour final for him came Monte Carlo. Um, yeah, 
I'm going to go ahead and say, give me Davidovich Fokina to win his first title this week in Astral. Like There's the take for you. Last two events will rapid fire through each of these. You look at the action in Bogota. Uh, of course, top seed Elisa Mertens knocked out in round number one by Miriam Bjorklund. Uh, the big news, uh, certainly from Thursday, Peyton Stearns into another WTA quarterfinal. She's 103 in the live rankings. Again, more likely than not that both NCAA singles champions will be top 100 players come the start of the 2023 NCAA tournament. Sarah Cerebus Tormo, healthy, back on court. She got a win in her first match over Balsova. She is currently a 41.1% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. Next, second seed, Tatiana Maria. She's at 14.8 into the quarterfinals. Francesca Jones, unseeded. She's the third favorite right now, 11.3%. Again, what does this tournament in Bogota offer? It offers a massive opportunity. And, of course, the lingering name, Tamara Zadonczyk, who, of course, has made second weeks at the French Open before. We know what she's capable. I think she's actually won this event or made the final in Bogota before as well. Did she win that match or lose to Osorio? I re- yeah, it was in Bogota 2021. She lost to Osorio 6-4 in the third. That was like a seven-hour match. Um, no. So who do you got? What you watching for? Give me no, the Cincinnati. Yeah, I like it. You take it, Stearns. I just want to, I, just give me Peyton Stearns. I mean, yeah. you talk about you, you talked about the heaviness from, from JJ's forehand, the other Cincinnatian. But I think yeah, the Stearns. You could say the same thing that you said for him for Peyton Stearns. I mean, her her whip on the forehand is it's she has such a live. It's kind of it's weird though. She has such a live arm on the forehand, but you don't see that on the serve nearly as as, as clearly. Like the live shoulder, live snap. I don't see that on the serve like I see on the forehand. The forehand looks electric. I mean, coming off her stick, she gets such good, like, topspin and depth and just, yeah, I mean, it just seems so controlled as well. But um, I just think that that'll eventually transition to the serve at some point where she'll start earning some more free points. Mm-hmm. But I'll go Peyton Stearns. I'll take I'll take Maria from the bottom. And I, I think – give me Stearns taking her first uh, WTA title. Yeah, it's – again – it's a ma- it's a massive opportunity for any of the players in the top half of the draw. I'm taking Sarah Sribes Tormo. I mean, I know it's her first tournament yeah, back, yeah. but uh, she's just it's fit hard. as a fiddle always on this surface. A nightmare matchup. Although again, the, yeah, the heaviness of Stearns and Stearns loves to play the kick serving. God, does she have a huge alleyway to work with on these red clay courts when she does? I'll go Sribes Tormo <laughs> over Maria. Yeah, I like it. no. That, was was that felt like that felt like a pick, uh, that felt like the, the safer pick for me. But I mean, I just well, obviously I haven't seen her play for a while. But um, no, I think Stern, Stearns is another player. Like her and Katie both uh, just been fun to watch those girls come out of Cincinnati. But they both are coming around. Like the, they're they're starting to tackle like the mental aspect. I know Katie had a tough loss against Shelby where she had chances to close that out in straight sets. Um, but I I really think that those two have like with Katie, it's the variety has some power, but has great hands. I mean, I think that's a big part of why she's stuck with her doubles. And then Stearns, I do think she has the the power game to, to dictate, uh, again, even against top players. And I think they'll bo- we'll, bo- we'll see both of those girls inside the top 50, 60 at some point here. I mean, Katie's now at 71 in the live rankings or whatever. So that's pretty impressive to see a, a few uh, Cincinnatians all in the top 100. Cincinnati tennis on the rise, no doubt about it. Well, last but certainly not least, let's head over to Marrakesh. Again, another ATP 250 happening this week. They've had some issues with the court conditions there. But top seed, Lorenzo Musetti, does advance 2-3 and win over Hugo Gaston. Much needed win for Musetti, who has floated around 500 for much of the past year. You have second seeded Dan Evans. He got a much needed win over Alexi Popperin today. 1-3, Greek Spoor quietly playing the best tennis of his career. Three set win over Elias Emer. You know, those are the top seeds still remaining. And for what it's worth, Greek sport, 31.9% chance of winning the event, according to Tennis Abstract. Musetti, wow. 30.4%. That's certainly helped by the fact that Botic van de the number three seed, knocked out by uh, by Christopher O'Connell, excuse me, earlier today. Are we going to get Bonzi Greek sport part two? We saw it earlier in Pune, India this season. Are we going to see it again here this week? What you going with, Nate? Greek, no, I, I didn't realize. I knew Greek score was playing good tennis. I didn't realize he was going to be, what did you say, 39% favorite? 31.9, yeah. 31%. Okay. That's hefty, though. Anything yeah, in the 30s? Hefty. For, that's hefty. 
Career high 34 in the rankings right now for the 26-year-old. That's insane. It doesn't seem as exciting of a pick now that you that you dropped that nugget. I, I don't feel as uh, risky taking Greek Sport out of the bottom half. I, I had him. I guess it's not a uh, it's not a dark horse. I think story, he but has I'll take to Greek be the pick. Yeah. Right. No. For me, I mean, I was I had no clue. I, I was gonna say maybe 10, 11 percent, thirty in the thirties. That's that's a lot of respect for the guy. But I think he must earn it. So give me Greek Sport at the bottom half. Um, I think he takes out Dan Evans. Who Dan Evans did look good. I mean. I was him and Musetti were the two players I kind of had circled as guys that I was concerned about where they would kind of fall for a couple of weeks here. Musetti was like on a five losing a five match losing streak. Evans hadn't been much better, but um, I think Greeksport will take out Evans uh, and he'll go to the finals. And I'll say he plays. I think Musetti needs this. I think he needs a good tournament here. I'll take Musetti versus Greeksport. Give me Greeksport for the title. Well, of course, Bonzi and Greeksport yeah, had that 2021 Challenger season. Greeksport sets the record, eight Challenger titles. I think Bonzi got six in 2021. Greeksport 14 and five this year, won a title in India. His five losses, ready for this? Tsitsipas, Sinner, Rublev, Djokovic, Alcaraz. I mean, no, everyone no else way. he's beaten. So I'm taking Greeksport to win the title. Uh, am I going to do it over Musetti or am I going to do it over Bonesy? I hope we get Greek sport Bonesy part two because that's a fun rivalry that tennis nerds and hipsters know about. So I'm going to root for it. We're going with things we want to see this week. They got a little beef there? No beef. It's just their their rise is kind of intertwined. And so it's like to me they're forever linked. So I'll root for it. Bonesy versus Greek sport. I'll take Greek sport to win another title again. Dark Horse of Dark Horses right now entering this clay court season. With all that in mind, though, those are your five events. Again, Charleston and Bogota on the women's side. For the men, you've got Houston, you've got Estoril, you've got Marrakesh. Of course, it's always a pleasure for us to have Nate Walrath joining us on the show. And you can see all the content Nate's producing over on the Tennis Point Instagram, Twitter feeds. Nate, talk to me about the pod. What you got coming up this week? Your tennis podcast, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me plug it. But um, no, we've been doing – we did a, fun, a, a ton of fun episodes down in Miami. Uh, we did one with Craig Boyton in Indian Wells. We had uh, different little small segments with Tommy Paul, Rublev, JJ. Uh, we had Mike Cation came on uh, when we were down there in Miami. I ran to him. I had to get Cation on the podcast. I mean, I, I think Cation is one of my – just my favorite people listening to talk tennis. I mean, there's there's only like – Cation just – he just knows. He's, yeah, he's like, he's like you. He's like you're the tour. He's like – you're, you're the guy I go to, and it's like he's just a walking nugget box. He just has all the nuggets, and so he was fun to have. Um, we got some other fun guests coming. I had, I've got a couple lined up. I won't drop any until we mm-hmm. kind of get it solidified, as you know. That that's just a, a recipe for disaster. But uh, no, we got to, we, we'll get we got to get Ag back on the podcast as well. It's uh, we're trying to do it once or twice a week, guys. So it's been fun. We got a lot of we do some gear talk. We, we we've been testing a lot of products, and then we do uh, more of a college and pro just uh, overview type stuff. But it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we try to nerd out on some of the latest um, gear, whether it's string, rackets, or shoes, just because I think that's, yeah. I mean, we, we having all our guys that tested it. It's like it's fun to fun to uh, have a platform that we can kind of go a longer form with. But yeah, pure tennis podcast. We're on social media as well, Instagram, and uh, yeah, AG, you got to come on here soon. I love to hear it. You know, I would be happy to do so. Well, massive thank you to you, Nate, and of course, a massive thank you to all of you at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the <laughs> of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With all of that we're said, doing, we're doing a live podcast in Indianapolis, April 15th or 16th, whatever that date is, when I see you in the tournament at the L3. It'll be you and me going live. Unfortunately, super producer Danny yep. Westoff, Dalton Thieneman, they're going to be at a wedding. And so, That's what I heard. Yeah, it's we'll a busy it. weekend. But yeah, no, I'm excited to see you, my friend. It is always a pleasure for the fantastic Nate Walrath, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.